Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1. If you're there, say amen. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Of the doctrine of baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, have tasted of the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Ghost taste of the good word of God and the powers of the world come if they shall fall away to renew them again under repentance seeing they crucify to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame he opens up this chapter, the author of the book of Hebrews. It feels a whole lot like a Pauline epistle, but we don't, we don't know for sure. But whoever is writing is mightily used of God. Because he said, it's time for us to leave the principles of the faith. He didn't say forsake. He said it's time for us to go on. In other words, stop debating on things that are settled. If it's been settled, it's settled. He's, he wasn't saying forsake it. Let's leave it because it doesn't need to be talked about anymore. He said, if it's been settled, somebody say this with me tonight, it's settled. He said, if it's settled, then we got to go on unto perfection. This word scares people a lot. But perfection in its purest form in the Greek language here just means maturity. We've got to Leave the principles that are settled, and we've got to go on to maturity. Basically alluding to the idea that you have not reached maturity until you've settled it. And I'm here to tell you tonight, it is settled in heaven. But we've got to get it settled in our hearts. I, I thought I had my title and my clarity and direction on exactly what I was doing. And so I'm going to let you be seated and I'll give you my title in a minute. I'm going to tell you how the Lord dealt with me tonight. I had a direction that I wanted to move and I'm still going to hit some of it. But as I walked into the prayer room this evening... I walked to the corner and I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, and it, isn't it cool how he talks to you in language that you understand? I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, my people are chasing the needle. And I knew what the Lord meant. As a as a pilot when I was taking my initial training um, we spent once we started doing procedures and all of those things we learned to fly straight and level we learned climbs descent slow flight and 
And then we learned to fly by what we called visual reference maneuvers, where you look out the window, you find a point on the ground, and you fly around that, and you try to stay a certain distance. And they try to draw all kinds of parallels for you, and they'll say, just imagine that someone's standing down there with a rope, and they're holding on to you, and you got to stay that same distance. And then... I passed my first check ride, and I, I went on to maturity as a pilot. I wanted to grow, and I, I went through my instrument training. Now, the instrument training, they say, is the one that saves your bacon. That's what they used to tell me. This one here, son, is the one that's going to save your bacon. Because if you fly into... IMC, Instrument Meteorological Conditions, if you're flying, you go into a cloud and you can't see, there are no visual references. And it's in this training that you learn to trust the instruments. It doesn't matter what you feel, it doesn't matter what it looks like outside, if you're in the middle of a cloud and you can't see anything, if the rain's pouring, they beat it into your system. Trust the instruments. Trust. And they'll tell you, you're, you're, you're going to do a scan. You want to continually do an instrument scan, but there's one instrument that is so vitally important in your instrument flight plan, and that is when you're on approach, coming back to the airport or into the destination that you're landing, whatever airport that is. And this one instrument we call the CDI, it is the Course Deviation Indicator. And this Course Deviation Indicator, the CDI, is what the Lord showed me tonight when I walked into the prayer room. I saw a CDI, I closed my eyes, I saw the CDI flash before my eyes, and it was what we call full deflection. When the needle goes off one side or the other, Basically, what it means is you've missed the mark. If you go full deflection in the middle of a test, a check ride, it's an instant fail. Because while you're being tested, you cannot afford to miss the mark. And I saw the needle go from middle to it swung full deflection, and I heard the voice of the Lord say, My people are chasing the needle. And I immediately went to an airplane. I was sitting in the airplane and I heard the instructor say these words to me that I heard time after time after time after time because they get it in your brain. Now, I'm giving away my sermon right here. But the closer you get to your destination, they would always tell me, Luke, listen, the closer you get, the more sensitive the needle becomes. You'll know you're almost when the needle starts moving all the time. And the thing that would follow their mouth after that, they would say, do not chase the needle. Don't start chasing the needle. If the needle starts to move, don't just overcorrect and go to it because you're almost there. You're getting ready for arrival. Don't start making crazy corrections in your course at the end or you're going to miss the destination. The closer you get, you've got to be careful. I've come tonight to preach to you on this Wednesday night. Don't chase the needle. Don't chase the needle. And the Lord began to deal with me standing there in the prayer room. And he said... As you know, he, he, he was speaking to me, he said, as you know, when you start chasing that needle, it's a distraction. You think, Lord, help me get this to us tonight. It feels like you're doing the right thing because I, I want to correct. I, I want to correct. I want to I correct. And when you start making big adjustments in the end, does anybody here tonight believe we're in the end? I believe we're in the end of the end times. I believe we're in the last of the last days. I believe we are so close to the coming of the Lord. But I'm going to tell you what we don't need. We don't need a bunch of Holy Ghost filled people making a bunch of crazy corrections at the last minute. 
This is one thing we cannot afford to miss. We cannot afford to miss the mark at the coming of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, there's people who are willing to take the risk. But I'm not willing to take the risk to try to catch a second train out of here. When the trumpet sounds, I want to go. If the Lord comes back tonight, I want to go. Don't chase the needle. This needle that you see in the middle, there's degrees to the right and to the left, depending on how close you are to the target. That could be 10, 10 degrees, that little needle right there in the middle, and you adjust your course. So I'm not going to bore you with this. This is not aviation school, but that's set on a course right now of about 340. That's almost due north, 20 degrees less than due north. That means you'd be landing on runway 34. If you're landing on runway 34 and your needle starts moving, but your heading says, I'm in the right direction. And you're holding steady what you know to be right. And the course starts moving. That's not the time to start overcorrecting. It's the time to trust what you know. God help me tonight, church family. I want you to listen to what I'm telling you. If I've ever believed it, I believe it right now. We are not on the wrong track. We're not. We are not on the wrong course. I'm going to tell you something tonight. This is the absolute, unequivocal, undeniable truth. Right here. There is no other solid foundation like the Word of God. There is nothing more true. I don't care what school you go to. I don't care what your professor says. I don't care what your philosopher says. I don't care what books you've picked up. There is no book like this book. There is no foundation like the solid rock of ages. There are voices that are crying out in the last generation saying we got to correct this. We got to correct that. This is too old-fashioned. That's too old-fashioned. You guys are out of your mind. You've missed it. You've been too strong on it. You can't be too strong on the word. You got to stand on the word. What I'm about to say to you is going to sound like I'm trying to be a smart aleck, but God knows my heart. I'm not. But I am so sick of having conversations of people saying, I'm going to tell you what the church needs to do. I'll tell you, if the church would do this, we'd have more growth. If the church would just stop preaching this, we'd grow the church would just correct this we'd grow more I'm not saying we don't have faults because we're people but I'm going to say this if I'm ever going to make an error in my life it's going to be that I'm going to stand on the word of God no matter what anybody says or what anybody does I'm always going to stand on the side of this is the direction that the word of God has set and we're going to stand on the word When everything else is shaking and you're unsure, if just a moment ago, I really don't want to confuse you, I'm not here to talk a bunch of flight crazy stuff with you, but if just a few moments ago the course that you were headed in was centered, it was correct, it was right, if the course that we were on 10 years ago kept us centered with the center line of the runway, If you lose everything else and you're unsure about everything else, fly the heading that you know. I'm trying to tell you tonight, it is so easy to deviate under the pressure of this present world. It is so easy to deviate under the pressure of the spirits of religion that are moving to and fro in the earth right now. False Christ, false prophets rising to deceive many. But somebody is going to be deceived in the last moment. Somebody is going to make a correction in the wrong direction at the last minute. Now, 
This is going to be a simple little flight lesson for you. But if you leave here tonight, you were to leave Anderson, fly to the Indianapolis International Airport, and you were off your course by about one degree, you would miss the end of the runway at Indianapolis by about 17 feet. You can correct for that. If you leave here tonight and you fly for Denver, Colorado International Airport, and you're off by one degree, you just miss the airport by 17 miles. Are you hearing me? The same degree off, but further down the road. And this is the issue with people that feel like the church is always needing corrected. Let's move it over here because I think this is a little bit too conservative. Let's move this over here because I think that doctrine is just a little bit too strong. Let's move over here just in case you don't really need to be baptized. Let's move over here just in case the Holy Ghost really is not essential. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when you start playing games like that. You're going to get 10 years down the road and we're going to be so far off the mark you're not going to be able to find the destination. If there's anything that I know tonight in the Holy Ghost, it is this. We have to stay the course. The Lord sent me here tonight on an assignment for sure. And this is what I know. The closer we get to the coming of the Lord, you listen to me tonight in the Holy Ghost, the more easily it will become for you to be distracted. I really wish that I was bringing you good tidings of great joy tonight to tell you that it's going to get easier. But it's not going to get easier. Living for God is not going to get easier. And for all the apocalyptic heroes that are standing around the church world right now saying, well, if they put a gun to my head, I'd live for God. I don't believe that. I just don't. If you're not faithful to the house of God, you're not faithful in prayer, you're not faithful in fasting, you're not faithful in consecration, you're not going to get faithful because somebody says, if, if you don't deny the Lord, I'm going I'm to tell you tonight, you will never be willing to die for something if you're not willing to live for it right now. And so, the Lord just began to... And it began to flood my mind. He said, my people are chasing the needle. I hope I've made enough sense tonight. Of, I've talked enough flying, but I hope I've made enough sense to you. We're at the end. It's the end time. We got to be careful. We can't be overcorrecting. We can't be getting distracted. I'm going to tell you, if you're looking for any other answer from this pulpit, you're barking up the wrong tree. Listen, this course has already been set for FPC. You hear me tonight? I, I'm, not, I'm not looking for some kind of fresh revelation. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you, there's no such thing. God, <laughs> that went over like a lead balloon. God's not giving fresh direction. The scripture's not being rewritten. There is no new Christ. There is no new Messiah. There is no other Holy Ghost. Anybody here tonight still believe in one Lord, one faith, one baptism? Anybody here still believe tonight that he is the way, the truth, and the life? No man coming to the Father but by me. Anybody here still believe that? What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying the course is set. We're not changing our mind. We're not moving the course. We're not leaving. We've already set the course. Now we've got to stay the course. The smallest amount of adjustments, the closer you get. They say you can tell the sign of maturity in the pilot when they stop chasing the needle. Your training has, has worked as an instrument pilot. When you spend more time on the scan and you see that it's just a little bit off, so you just make a very small correction. You fly the airplane, you get there, you get it done. At that point, they tell you, you are proficient. You've reached maturity. Now it's time for you to do it. You can do that on your own. 
You know what the Lord is doing right now? The Lord is using the voice of the pulpit in the church not to always bring correction to you. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to get so hungry for this that you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That you don't have to have a preacher standing in your face saying, love God, love God, love God, be faithful, show up, run the race, be a volunteer. No, we've got to fall so in love with this thing that we're finally saying, you know what, I believe I could fly a little bit. I, I believe I could make it right now. Now, don't anybody run off with my statements right here, misconstrue what I'm saying, act like I'm saying something that's not true, don't, don't twist this, don't take a sound bite off the internet and, and, and try to make it something that it's not, okay? Stay, stay with me right here when I tell you. I'm not saying we don't need the body. I'm not saying we don't need the church. We need it more than we've ever needed it. But what I am saying to you is you've got to be able to fly without everybody else in the room saying you can do it. I, I thank God for precious men and women that encourage you. I thank God for people that come alongside you and say, hey, buddy, you got this. You can do this. I know it's been a hard time, but I'm also going to tell you there's going to come a time in your life that you've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. There's not going to be a choir. There's not going to be a thousand people. There's not going to be a preacher in the room. You've got to stand up and face the adversary and say, I'm not going to be distracted. I'm not going to be disrupted. I'm not going to be deflected. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord, and I'm going to fall in love with this. So the distractions, they come and... and and they disrupt and they, there's no good way, if I could say this tonight, I don't want it to sound, I don't want it to sound morbid, but there's no good way for it to end for somebody that's always overcorrecting. Can I just say it like that? There, there's, there's no such thing as a good ending to that. Anybody in here ever feel like you're stuck in the clouds? Well, let me tell you something. When you come out of the clouds, you want to see the runway. <laughs> Some of my favorite moments of instrument flying was when my instructor would let me take off the hood or the, the goggles, whatever we were wearing. And I would hear them say, okay, what do you see? Because I knew when they said, what do you see? I was going to take it off, and I was going to be looking at the runway. But if you're constantly left, right, oh, I'm a little too high, I got to go low. I'm a little too low, I got to go high. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm describing some of your prayer lives. One day you're a little left, then one day you're a little bit right. I don't know if I really love truth all the way. I don't know. I kind of agree with them. But I kind of agree with them. I don't know, Pastor. It's been bad. You're low. You need to come up. Okay, I'm going to come up. Then you come up and your highs are really high. Come on now. And then your lows. They're really low. I'm going to tell you all a little lesson to living, God, living for God. My mom taught me this when I was a kid. Y'all ready? I'm going to give you, this is revelatory. I believe in fasting, long fast when God calls you to it. I believe it. It'll work when nothing else works. And I believe in prayer revivals. I believe in all night prayer meetings. What else do I need to say I believe in? I believe in it. You understand what I'm saying? Thank God for it. Maybe this isn't spiritual enough for some people that'll see this online, but I'm going to tell you for this church, I'm going to tell you something. Thank God for long extended fast. Thank God for all night prayer meetings. But you know what works? 
If you fast one day a week, you have fasted 52 days in a year. If you pray one hour a day, you have prayed 365 hours in a year. Some of us are chasing the needle. God, I wish I could pray five hours a day. Wish I could pray five hours a day. We're over here like, but 13 minutes feels so better, and then my phone rings. Woo! You know what I need? I just need a revival. Pastor, we need to have an evangelist. We need to have church seven nights a week. That's what I feel. But then somebody at the other end of the pew says, my God, we have more church than any church I've ever seen. Well, don't be shocked the closer we get to the coming of the Lord if we don't have a bunch more of it. We need it. Constantly. Constantly moving. He said in verse 6 of chapter 6, if they shall fall away. All of this was coming to me Right as church was starting. And I literally, I opened up my Bible that has the Strong's Concordance in it. And I'm reading, I'm standing right down there flipping through and I'm reading Hebrews 6 and 6. And I know what the Lord spoke to me in the corner tonight. My people are chasing the needle. They're chasing the needle. And I pulled up 6 and 6. And I said, I wonder what that fall away, what's, what's the Greek for fall away? What does that really mean? Listen to me. I'm going to quote it to you right, right out of this, this dictionary right here. To fall away. Peripedo. To fall aside, that is figures, figuratively to apostatize, to fall away. According to Thayer's, to fall beside a person or thing, to slip aside. Listen to this right here. To deviate from the right path, turn aside, wander, or error. The CDI's moving. We're close to the end. And the spirit of the age is saying, just, just overcorrect. Just, it's not going to hurt your church. It's not going to hurt your children. Church family, I'm going to be very careful of how I deal with this. But I'm going to tell you, there's no good reason, there's no better reason to love truth than for you to just fall in love with truth for yourself. Okay, don't, don't, don't run off with this, but I'm going to tell you. If you don't fall in love with it for any other reason than for your children and your grandchildren. Well, I just want my kids to know there's more options out there. Why? I mean, why? Well, I mean, they, they need to know. They need to know that that stuff's out there. They'll find out. Don't you even hold your breath. I make you a promise. They're going to find out. You just, hey, everybody listen to me. You got your hearing aids turned up. Listen. They're going to find out what private parts are. They're going to find out what sexuality is. They're going to find out what a naked person looks like. They're going to find out. I don't care how much church you keep them in. They're going to find out. That's why I say you better keep them in more church than they've ever been in. We have got to raise, man, I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now. We have got to raise a generation of overcomers. We've got to raise a generation that doesn't just run away from it and say it doesn't exist. Yes, it does exist, and you can overcome it. I promise you, in this technological age, your children will get the opportunity 
to view pornography by the time they drive a car. I promise. But I want you to hear me tonight. You're an overcomer. You're going to get the chance for sexual promiscuity in your life, but you're an overcomer. Well, if the church would just if the church would just get more lenient about sexuality, then people would feel more welcomed. I don't want what that welcomes. Come on. Can I say that any more clear tonight? I don't I don't want what that welcomes. Ooh. God have mercy. That course was established. I I didn't set the course. Bishop, we didn't vote on that in a business meeting. That course was set. In his image, created he male and female. And God made one man and one woman, and she was his helpmeet. Oh my, our kids, our, our, our kids just, Pastor, I, I, I don't mind them learning those things. They will. But I'm holding on for everything I've got to slow down the process. I, I'm, I'm fighting, I'm kicking, I'm screaming. I've got one in college and I'm, I'm, I'm fighting for all I'm worth. I got one graduating high school this year. I got one that's a freshman in high school this year. How am I that old, Brother Mike? I don't know. I can't believe I'm old enough to have kids in college. I'm going to tell you what I am. I'm telling my kids, you're going to get the opportunity. It's going to come. I promise you. You're going to get the opportunity. But the Bible says, that people love to quote it. He'll never put more on us than we can bear. They love it. It's not biblical. Except for in temptation. That's the only place it's even alluded to. Listen to me. Wherever your kids get the opportunity to participate, there will always be an opportunity to walk away. I didn't make that course. God's word set that course. It said there will always be a way of escape. Can I preach something I hadn't just talked about in a long time? I want you girls to know your purity is more valuable than whatever he's offering you. I don't care what people are saying. There is no such thing as a renewed virginity. You get one chance. And you don't have to have the testimony that you walked away and God spared you and brought you back. Thank God that he does. But guard your purity. Guard your virginity. Stay out of the situation. Stay the course. Why are you doing this, Pastor? I'm going to tell you why I'm doing this. Because we've got people that are still fussing over whether the things that should never be debated. It's a distraction. He said, we've got we've to leave the principles. Because the principles are established. If they weren't established, there wouldn't be a principle. Right? So what, what the devil wants to get us doing is while we're sitting over here fussing and fighting about principles, should they be principles? Should they be principles? While we're fussing about principles, he's saying, while you're fighting about let me just put a little perversion in there too. While you're fighting over that, let me, let me put just a little disillusionment in there. Let, let, me, let me see if I can't put just a little bit of discontentment in there. Do you know the first step to deception is discontentment? Mm-mm. I hope you all are ready for this. Both barrels loaded tonight. Yeah, first, first sin is that woman eating, eating that apple. Or eating what it's funny, everybody thinks it's an apple. I don't know what it was. 
You've seen what artists have drawn. I don't know what it was. It was a piece of fruit. But the first sin was not partaking. The first sin was being discontented with what God said you could have. That's why I put coveting in the Ten Commandments because it was a spirit of covetousness that led to the deception. What are you, what are you saying, Pastor? Listen, please. I'm not going to jump off deep in this, but I want this to be crystal clear. You can blame the devil if you want to. Eve was wrestling with discontent before the snake showed up. She stood off in the distance and looked at that and said, I wonder what it would be like. And so this little hissing serpent comes along and knows when you've been wondering what it's like out there and will a perfect opportunity. Oh, God help me tonight. God is trying to bring us to a place of maturity. Hebrews 6 and 1, therefore leaving the principles, let us go on to maturity. We got we to gotta go on to maturity. I don't know why, but Brother Bass, Brother Wade Bass just preached here a few weeks ago. For the last two days, I've been hearing him preach what he preached in this church. I've been here. He was standing right here when he said it. I, I, I was standing there, and I saw his side profile while he was preaching, and he said, you know why people are going so-and-so, and people are going there. He said, because there's a plan B. He said, you know why they're going? Because they have an option. I've come on Wednesday night to tell you, if you're going to make it in the end time, you just got to take options off the table. I, I mean, I, that, is, that is so deep right there. You can take your floaties off. You don't even need a life jacket for that. How am I going to make it? You're going to make up your mind that you're going to make it, and you're going to keep walking, and you're not going to be chasing the needle. Why, Pastor? Because we're in the end time. We're there. We're not waiting on it to get in, Tommy. Are you hearing me tonight? I wonder what it's going to be like in the end times. Well, I got a feeling that we could describe to you in just a few moments of some audio and video clips of things that are going on in the cities in this nation, what the end times are going to look like. Come on now. I'm going to tell you, whoo, Lord, this is strong tonight. I think I've got a pretty good image of what the world is going to look like in the end time. But can I tell you the story that I've been wrestling with for the last few weeks? I'm going to tell you what I've been wrestling with. I feel like I know what the world's going to look like in the end times, what it looks like. What I want to know is, what's the church going to look like? I was on the phone to a pastor friend of mine this week. And he said, I got online and started watching. He named the preacher. He said, I started watching the stuff that he was preaching 20 years ago. 20 years ago. And he said, I noticed the trend in what he was preaching. And what he stopped preaching and talking about 20 years ago, he is today. He's, are you hearing me? He's, he's still preaching today. What he stopped preaching 20 years ago he is participating in today and still pastoring the same church. Oh, but look at them grow. What are we, what are we growing? We have got to, we've got to move on to maturity. I'm, I'm hurrying. Well, pastor, then what is maturity? How do you know that you have arrived how how would one know that we are we are mature i'm gonna tell you something maturity is not an age it's not it's not when you were born 
You don't get mature because you turned 21. You don't get mature because you've been serving the Lord for 21 years. Maturity is not an age. Well, you would probably know someone's mature then when they start dressing holy and looking holy. No, because maturity is not an appearance. Maturity has nothing to do with your accomplishments, with your achievements. has nothing to do with academics. I'm going to tell you what maturity is. Maturity is an attitude. Maturity is a, it's the way that you carry yourself. Maturity is the spirit that gets on you. That says, I don't want anything else. And I'm willing to fight for what I've got. Are you hearing me? I'm not talking about fighting about whether what I've got is right or not. I'm talking about it is right and I'll die for it. It's maturity. Well, I wish someday, I wish someday that God would give me this amazing new revelation of what it's going to take to really be spiritual. You're late to the party. Well, then what's it going to take? Mr. Smarty Britches passed. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take the same thing for me that it took for Peter, Paul, Jesus. Getting down in a garden somewhere. Garden may look like your living room or it may look like your extra bedroom or it may look like this altar in here. What, wherever your prayer closet is, it's that garden of Gethsemane in your life. That you can say, not my will, not my will, but thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. I feel tonight in the Holy Ghost that confusion and distraction are working in the body. That's what the Lord said to me tonight. They're chasing the needle. I'm like, what? Chasing. They're looking. I said, what are they chasing? He said, it's the spirit of offense. Offense has them running. It's distraction. It's got them running. It's gossip. We love that, don't we? People tell me they don't know how to pray. I'm like, I know better than that. I've heard you gossip. If you'd talk to the Lord the way you can gossip, it'd be amazing. You can be seated. I heard this this week. You know what gossip is? Gossip is someone saying something to you that you like about somebody that you don't like. You hear me? Somebody says something to you that you like about somebody that you don't. You start leaning. Oh. I, 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 better, I better follow that. I better, I better chase that. No, you better get back on course. It's amazing to me. I'm not going to stay here long. But it's amazing to me how awesome the church can be to people who are in trouble when it reaches and pulls them out. Until they start chasing the needles. The church that they loved, they now despise. You know why? Because we don't like the Spirit of God bumping us saying, stay on course. Stay on course. Oh, but I like this. No, stay on course. Now... I'm going to brag on you sweet people. It's probably going to make everybody mad that watches this online. But I'm just going to tell you. You're great people. You're, th this is a great church. There is no finer people anywhere in the world than the First Pentecostal Church. Nowhere. I'm not saying there's not good people. I'm saying there's no finer church anywhere. But when the devil 
When the devil messes with you enough to get you mad at the, at the very thing that's been your lifeline. It's amazing how quickly we forget what it felt like when our family was a mess. It's amazing how quickly we forget what it felt like when our body was sick. And we knew where to go. But the Holy Ghost said tonight in the prayer room, my people are chasing needles. Running after it. I'm distracted. Can't find it. We've got to come to the attitude that says this Bible way is the greatest life that there has ever been. I don't want nothing else. I'm not hungry for nothing else. And you know what? Even when you make up your mind, you're going to get the urge at some point to go somewhere else. But all I can say to you is that if you have found the path of righteousness, stay on it. Don't go chasing. Well, what if there's an easier doctrine? There's not. What if there's an easier way to come in? There's not. Well, I, I, I think there might be. Well, then you're chasing a needle. So, what, I mean, like, do, do you, think I should, you, you, you think I should at least look and see if I can find a church that says I shouldn't be baptized in Jesus' name? Yeah, you'll find one. But they're going to have a bad wrestling match. When they open up the Bible and you ask them a question, why don't you baptize in Jesus' name? Because everybody that was ever baptized after the church started in the book of Acts, they were all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What are you going to do with that? I was driving down the road today, coming back from Nashville, and I had a lot of stuff playing in my mind. I'm, I'm almost done. And I just had scripture after scripture after scripture that would go through my mind. And I, would, I was having this conversation in my own head, and I was like, you know, you could quit preaching that. You could quit teaching that. You could quit telling people to live that. But then what are you going to do with the scripture? Am I making any sense? Like, you can make people feel better by saying, no, that's not necessary anymore. But what are you going to do when they pick up their own Bible? If they, if they do. Which I think that's why a lot of people discourage that. But what are you going to do if they pick up their own Bible and it says, their, their Bible says, come out from among them and be ye holy, saith the Lord. Then you got to start asking questions. Who are them? And what is out? Where am I going? Who am I coming out from? Well, when you sit down and start answering the question, you're going to find out that everything you wanted your preacher to stop preaching about was the very thing that the Lord was saying, come out. I'm going to tell you, church family, I'm so thankful for the hard-headed men of God in my life that refused to chase needles when the ride got rough. I could name names of people that 99% of you would not even know, but I could name names of people tonight that have come to this church through the years and said, Brother Bingham, if you will stop preaching this, this, and this, we'll pack this church out. But when they started their own church and didn't preach this, this, and this, they never packed it out. Are you hearing me? We don't have to be corrected. Look at your neighbor tonight and tell them, don't chase the needle. <laughs> I want my life to be established 
in such a way that no matter what happens to me, no matter what comes my way, I'm not questioning the faithfulness of God because I'm in a storm. I'm not questioning why I'm on the path that I'm on because of the storm. I've just learned to trust. God, when I can't see, I'm not going to be making crazy corrections. We're too close now. I'm just going to stay the course. I'd rather stand before God. Brother Carpenter told me today in the car, he said, he, he, he called Dad and I. He said, what's that old saying? That I'd rather make heaven by a mile than to miss it by an inch. Could somebody say amen? amen? I'd rather make it by a mile than to miss it by an inch. Oh, that's just fear mongering. Call it whatever you want, but my course is set. Amen. Call it whatever you want, but my course is set. I'm not moving. I, I, I don't know if we could put a direction on it, but I'm going to you right now. I'm sitting at a 345 on that right there. I'm sitting on it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay the course. I don't know what that course is, but I'm going to set mine on 238. Come on. I put my heading on 238. Then Peter said, unto them, repent and be baptized. I set my heading on John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Where are you going? I'm going 316. Come on. I set my head on it. I'm headed towards Colossae. I'm headed right there. I got my head on 2 9. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead body. I'm, I, 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 I'm setting it. On Ephesians 3, 4, 5. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God and Father of all. Who is above all. Who is through all. And who is in you all. I'm set, I've set my course tonight. Follow peace with all men. And holiness without such. No man shall see the Lord.